we can never praise you enough. We can never thank you enough for Jesus. And Father, may he be magnified and glorified. May his words be said, his deeds be done, and his glory be made manifest. And Lord, if we never tire praying this, Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid you come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, good evening, everyone. And welcome to the, I guess it's the winter, spring edition of Word and Spirit. How many know we've entered into the spring season? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so we're just so honored and thrilled to have you here with us. It's good to see Krista back home, dual citizenship from here. In, all, came all the way from California, Bean Church. Now, all of you in Donker, Fredonia, follow her example. Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord. And so, praise the Lord. Good to see Pastor Rita here. And Reverend, we even invite Reverend Randy. Wow, what, what an honor. Praise the Lord. We're so glad. And of course, everyone here, you're all special and beloved. And all those watching via live stream. Uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It just seemed good to me and uh, to the Holy Ghost uh, this semester to look at matters or topics that concern eternity and security. When uh, this started coming up in my spirit as I was seeking the Lord for the semester back, oh, maybe in the, in the fall, uh, this kept coming up, and I, I went through my archives, and I probably preached along this line 20 years ago, and so uh, uh, it's good to revisit it. And of course, you, you get more light as you get more experience and more studying the Word. And I don't know about you, but these things are important for every child of God to know. The Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, and so uh, we, we ought to gain knowledge, and any topic in the Bible... We, we at least ought to be schooled in it. You don't need to be a master in it, but you need at least be schooled in it. You know, concerning end times and prophecy and what, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. You know, I get many questions. Well, you know, I, I'm not a master in those areas. There's a whole lot of folks that are way more knowledgeable, you know, but uh, you ought to at least have a little understanding of what's going on. And to me, I, I see it in Ezekiel 38, the, the starting of Ezekiel 38 uh, happening there. Now, some people agree with that. Some people disagree with that. That's fine, you know. In the end, I know that Jesus is coming. We got a job to get done, and I'm not going to fight you over these little things, you know. Uh, you know, we're, we just got to get that harvest in, amen, and get the will of God done. And so uh, the topics that we've been looking at uh, have to do with, you know, eternity for us as Christians uh, and even non-Christians. We, we've looked at predestination um, and we, we saw that, uh, you know, the Bible does talk about predestination, but uh, folks have misinterpreted saying that whatever God predestines must come to pass, and we, human will has no part in it. And so, you know, we, we saw that that simply isn't true in the New Testament over and over again, whosoever will. Just think about it, that uh, God will let you go to hell if you really want to. I, I don't advise that, but uh, and again, the, the part of the human will. And so what we're doing is, is uh, looking in the Bible concerning uh, doctrines that talk about eternity and security. 
And very often these doctrines, because they haven't been studied, um, people have twisted them or misunderstood them and, and gotten into bondage. And so our, our golden text is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 15, where it says, for all of us, it's just not for ministers, but for every child of God to study to show yourself approved unto God. And, and if you, you read the Bible, study the Bible, there's three things that we ought to be doing with the Word of God. We ought to, number one, be reading it. Number two, we need to be meditating on it. Number three, we need to study it. And um, one cannot take the place of another. You, you read the Bible, it'll, it'll feed you, it'll get you a general knowledge of the Word of God, it'll give something the Holy Spirit can put you in remembrance of. Uh, and that's a, a wonderful thing, but meditating is what will produce spiritual maturity that will really, really develop your spirit and cause you to grow spiritually. But meditation does not take the place of study. You have to study to show yourself approved. You, and yet, you know, you can meditate on certain truths from God's Word and get fortified in your, your spirit and yet be ignorant of many uh, doctrines of the Bible. And so all three uh, are, are important to us. And so here it says to study that we would be a workman uh, that needs not be ashamed. How are we ashamed is when we don't know what the Bible has to say about things or we become ashamed when we believe the wrong things of the Bible. And so what we're doing is, is looking at certain topics, studying them, you know, just kind of seeing what the Bible has to say and, and drawing a conclusion. Again, you know, you may differ than, than what we teach here. Uh, you know, o only Jesus and the Holy Ghost and God really have their doctrine 100% sealed. We're, we're all open to growth. I, I, feel, I feel sorry for anybody that thinks that they know it all. Paul said this, when you think you know it all, you don't know what you ought to know. You know, and he that thinks he stands, take heed that he falls. And of course, with, with all the things that we're looking at, we're just doing our best to kind of take a sin in the road approach and not to be into extremes. But, you know, uh, as we grow uh, and, and mature, we may see things in a little different light. I, I had many of these notes 20 years ago, and I tweaked them because I've grown and understand, well, you know, I, I wouldn't say it that way anymore. You know, I, I've learned some things along the way. And uh, maybe you're watching, and you're further along than I am, and, and you see things that I don't see yet. And so just let, let's just go on this journey together and see what we can learn from one another. So predestination, we covered that. We looked at eternal security, uh, that wonderful doctrine, once saved, always saved. Is that truth? Well, yes and no. That Christians, sincere Christians that love the Lord, that purposely do not withdraw from the grace of God, are eternally secure. Any Christian that, that wants to serve Jesus and, and loves God, no matter how flip-floppy they are, they are eternally secure. And, and we ought to be founded in that. We, we should never be tormented that I don't know if I'll go to heaven or not. Um, every Christian ought to know that they're going to heaven and, and know why they're going to heaven because we're saved by grace and not of our works. And so uh, we looked at those things and... Uh, we, we also said this, this, this would probably be a point of controversy, but it needs to be said because it's prevalent, especially in the United States,
that people think that if you pray a prayer, you're saved. Nowhere does it tell you that. The Bible says you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. If there's no heart connection, if there's no belief in the heart, I don't care how many times you come to the altar, you're not born again. I made mention of my spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagan. He was a member of the Baptist church. Now, when I say that, I'm not belittling the Baptist church because the Baptists are very strong on salvation. Um, they may not have certain light of being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking tongues, may not have light concerning healing and other things, but man, most of the Baptists are very, very strong. And every Sunday, um, they preach on salvation and they give altar calls. And Brother Hagen, as a Baptist, came to the altar, he said a prayer, and when he died because of his heart condition, three times, three times he went to hell, he prayed a prayer. And it wasn't until the third time that, that uh, you know, because his mom was praying out of death, he rose up and then he, he confessed Jesus as the Lord out of his heart, out of the spirit. Then he was born again. And so, again, balance. That's why there is an error teaching eternal security. There's an error just saying, well, if you go down the altar, you're saved. No, there must be. Go through the Bible it, over and over again. Believe in your heart. It, Everything has to do with heart with the Lord, not just a, a verbal affirmation. Jesus said of the Pharisees, you honor me with your lips, but what? Your heart is far from me. Uh, then we start to get into the good stuff. And we start looking at blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And we saw uh, that that is a sin that a Christian cannot commit because when Jesus used that, he was talking to the Jews. He was not talking to Christians. We looked at 1 Corinthians 10, 32, give no offense to the Jew, Gentile, or the church of God. And so there's only three classes of people on the earth. And so we cannot take what Jesus said to the Jews and apply it to Christians. And so many times we do that. And so to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, Satan has hoodwinked people, uh, deceived people, Christians saying, you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you're going to hell. A, a Christian cannot commit that sin. And we saw in context uh, what that sin was. But we did, uh, and that brought us to the next uh, point that we've covered, just as a little review. What is the unpardonable sin of a Christian? Can a, a Christian sin and unable to come back into grace? Or we could say it this way, can a Christian lose his salvation? Now we took a little time on this and uh, and if you're newer with us, I invite you and encourage you to get on the archives because we know this, that we should never believe anything in the Bible if it's just written once. Many cults just take one verse out of context, out of setting, and it's nowhere else found in the Bible, and um, build a doctrine on it. When you do that, you can make the Bible say anything that you want to say. That's why, even in the law, uh, even the words of Jesus, the words of Paul, it says in the mouth are two or three witnesses. And so not only did we give two witnesses, not only did we give you three witnesses, we gave you four, five, and there are other witnesses. Again, we, we could have took the whole time just looking at these scriptures that plainly, I mean, you, you have to be deceived or dishonest to try to interpret those verses any other way. Uh, where it says that a Christian uh, cannot lose their salvation because the Bible says 
they can. Because Peter goes as far as to say, it is better that they never got saved than to, to be saved and willingly turn from the Lord. The, the latter end is worse. And it's the same thing that Jesus said to, to uh, Judas. It was better that Judas was never born than to betray Jesus. And the same thing as a Christian that, that turns after, uh, that willingly turns and is overcome in sin. And so, again, we, we looked at the balance of those things. We saw there are extremes. One extreme is eternal security. It doesn't matter what you do. You get in heaven, eh, wrong answer. Then there's another extreme, primarily amongst the holiness group, which, you know, I have some association. I appreciate it. I learned a lot of good things from the holiness group. But uh, they have a tendency to say, man, if you don't cross your T's and dot your I's, you're going to hell. And you can lose your salvation. You can, you can be good, do everything right, but man, if you miss it just before Jesus comes, you're dying, going to hell. Well, that, that's, that's an extreme and so we, we saw kind of the balance of that. And then we looked. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, right here at Family Church Fredonia, we taught you, we showed you how you can lose your salvation. If you ever, as a Christian, want to die and go to hell and be forever in the regions of the damned, we told you exactly how you can do that. Now, I don't recommend it, but it's found in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. And... Um, and then last week, we began to look at the fate of backsliders. Or, or look, we first of all started looking at where does a backslider stand? Now, again, this is very, very important. How many know a backslider? I think we all do. You know, and I think it's important for us to know how does God see them? What, what happens, you know, in their life? What happens when they die? Uh, how does God view them, how we should view them. And, and, uh, and so we begin to look at that. And I'm just going to uh, say a few things that we shared last week and then we're going to build on it. That we said from the onset that um, it's vitally important that uh, we see there's no set of external rules that we can place on every backslider. Uh, because we, we saw this God looks at the heart. We tend to judge backsliders on their externals and, uh, and we, we try to pass judgment upon them because of what they're doing outwardly, but God looks at the heart. We saw scriptures concerning this, but we saw some very interesting insight concerning backsliders and it's very akin uh, to carnal Christians. Uh, because sometimes you can't tell them apart. Carnal Christian, backslidden Christian, you know, they, they, sometimes you can't tell the difference between the two. But we saw something very amazing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, we ain't going to read it, but we saw Paul address the Corinthian church. And he called them sanctified. He, he called them complete in Christ. Um, that God is working in them, blameless to the day of Jesus. Uh, you, you know, that they became behind in no gift. And uh, God is faithful to work in, in these Christians. And hearing Paul's admonition and Paul's description of the church of Corinth, you'd think these are top-notch Christians. Man, everyone wants to get, be a card carrier of the church of Corinth. Everyone wants to emulate the Christians at Corinth. I mean, enriched in all knowledge and utterance. You know, the word sanctified says they're set apart, called saints. 
wow, let's get the Church of Corinth sweatshirts in our bookstore. But what is very interesting, Paul is addressing them as God sees them in Christ because they're born again. What God is seeing in their hearts, who they are in Christ. It is not a description of who they are in the flesh and concerning their works. Um, then we go to chapter 3. Paul starts off as brethren. I wish I could talk to you as spiritual. You thought by chapter 1 these were spiritual saints. But he says, but in a carnal and babes of Christ. Baby Christians are carnal Christians. And he said, I fed with you milk and not with meat. And in verse 3 he says something amazing. For you are yet carnal. For wherein among you is envy, strife, and divisions. Oh, sins of the flesh. Are you not carnal and walk as men? King James. You know that walk of men is in other translations? As unconverted men. So in the flesh, the way they were living, no one can tell if they were saved or not. They, they were living just like the world was living. And so here we see what God, how God sees them because they're in Christ. Then we, we, we see the external. And God looks at the heart. We look at the external. Um, and what is very interesting, Jesus told Brother Hagen, I will judge my people quicker on sins in the heart than the sins of the flesh. Then we, we saw with, with backsliding, it, it has to do with a person's heart. Because, you know, backsliders are usually involved in the sins in the flesh. And, and really, these Corinthians were born again, were saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, have gifts of spirit. And they were, they were involved not only in physical sins, but spiritual sins, which, which get judged quicker. Because... Uh, Strife is a spiritual sin. Envy is a spiritual sin. Causing division amongst the brethren. That's one of the top seven things that God hates. And yet these Corinthians were involved in it. And so looking at this, baby Christians are carnal Christians. The, these Christians were born again in Christ, but they were walking as unconverted people and they were living in sin. And actually, if you read it, and we'll get into it, they were living in gross sin. And see, there, there was no difference between these Corinthians than from backsliders. You know, what we call backsliders is what we would call the Church of Corinth, at least in my, my perception. And so that why, that's why it's so important that, that, that we look at this, that... Uh, we saw this, that when a person is born again from 1 John, they cannot commit sin. And many people struggled with that and read it and passed it on. And we showed what that meant, that when you're born again, from your heart, you cannot sin. Now, you may have sins in the flesh. The Corinthians proved that out. But on the inside, there will be a scratching and aching. The Bible says if our heart condemns us, God is greater in our hearts. See, no backslider really enjoys his life. That's why they're, they get drunk and they do drugs. They're trying to drown the achingness in their heart. They're, they're bound in sins of the flesh. Just like these Corinthians. And so, you know, me having some experience 
with the Pentecostal holiness, you know, they, they taught, man, you're backslidden, you're going to hell. And, you know, you, you preach fire and brimstone and you help the Holy Ghost trying to condemn them. But uh, you look at the Corinthians and, and God revealed this to Brother Hagin and changed his ministry because Brother Hagin used to be fire and brimstone and get right, get left and so forth. But the Holy Ghost came on and actually he prayed and uh, interpret his prayers and the Holy Ghost took him through 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3 and said it changed his ministry. He changed how he ministered people before he tried to hit them over the head with things and the Holy Ghost said, no, always give people something no matter how carnal they may be, just like Paul. He called them sanctified in Christ. And so we're, we're, we're endeavoring just to see how God sees backsliders Backsliders are, are pretty much in the same condition as carnal Christians, sins of the flesh. But again, there's a balance in the truth. Uh, many sides of the mountain. We saw in Genesis 6, 3 that God said, I will not always strive with man. And there, there is a limit to, to God's graciousness and, and goodness. And when we saw this, and, and this, this is important, that if someone is in danger of falling away from grace. God is faithful to warn them. We, we, we took some examples in the Bible. We took examples in life. Randy Greer, we took it. We made Randy, Reverend Randy, an example on the road to Galveston, Texas. The Holy Ghost said, this is your last chance. What was it? A warning. See, and so he was warning, this is your last chance. Up that time, if Reverend Randy you know, even on the third, third, you know, second escape from hit, uh, prison and he were to die in prison, he wouldn't got to heaven because he was born again. Even if uh, he was on the road to Galveston, Texas and, and escaped from the third, you know, from third time for prison and that the Holy Ghost didn't give him a warning, if he would have died, got shot by police, he would have made it to heaven. That's the wonderful grace of God. But because he was reaching the point of falling from grace, God was faithful. God spoke to him. And we gave you some other examples as well. And so, so we're, we're kind of painting a picture about the grace of God, backsliders, and, and have a healthy perspective. And th this brings us to a point before we go any further, is, is we have to take a moment and look at the goodness of God. Especially around these areas. Uh, when it comes to eternal security, when it comes to backsliders, we must... Remember that the whole Bible's true. And over and over and over and over and many times over, we hear the phrase, the Lord is mean and judgmental and harsh. No, the Lord is good. And what? His mercy endureth forever. The Lord is gracious, full of mercy. Psalm 145, 8 through 9, you don't need to turn there, but it's one of my favorites. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all of His works. Now, thank God that God is gracious. Very often, you know, because, you know, I have friends that were Muslim, and the Muslim God, Allah, is a harsh, uncaring God. Doesn't answer prayers, and He's very vengeful. And very often say, Lord, I'm just so glad that you're not Allah. I'm so glad you're not harsh. 
that they didn't say that God is harshness, God is judgment, but, but you are love and you're full of compassions. If he wasn't, not one of us would make it. And the Bible is, is filled with admonitions, teaching of Jesus, that uh, we're in no place to judge our brother. You know, our job is to take care of us, not to be managing on everyone else's backyard, make sure our backyard is clean. And so knowing that the Lord is good, that should make us want to live for Him and please Him. That it makes us want to praise Him. And, uh, and so it, it, it's important that we stand the Lord is good. And how does this tie in to backsliders? We must understand that God's goodness towards us is His design to bring us to repentance. That's how God brings people to repentance, is through His goodness not through his harshness, his goodness. Now notice in Romans 2.4, it says this, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and his forbearance and longsuffering? And say, you, you can despise that. Well, God, you're, you're, you're good to people and you shouldn't be. You should let them have it. You should put them in their place. You, you, you can despise if you get religious. You know, the, the religious leaders of the day despise Jesus because he was good you know the woman caught in adultery they wanted judgment throw rocks would you said he this without sin cast the first stone you know that's in the Bible for a purpose you know so we're, we're quick to judge backsliders when uh, you know he that's without sin cast that first stone you know again keeping our own backyard and so the Lord was very gracious to her and and here Paul's addressing in Romans chapter 2 that, that folks can despise that grace and that the forbearance and long-suffering of God. And notice what he said in verse 4. It's because they know not that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So God's design for backsliders and, and for the world. It didn't say God so hated the world so despised sin that he gave his son known God so loved the world. God is full of compassion, full of mercy. And, and his design, the way God is, God can't help himself. He's good. He is merciful and he is kind. That's why Jesus told, tells us to love our enemies. To do good to them that hate us. Pray for them that despitefully use us and persecute us. Why? Just to, to give us a hard time? No, that you may be like your children, that you may be children of your father, examples of your father, who is good to all. He reigns on the just and the unjust. He, he, his sun rises on the good and evil. See, God is good because that's who he is, not how people treat him. And that will set you free when you learn. You've got to be good to everybody because you're good. You, you don't treat people the way they treat you. You treat people good because that's who you are. You're children of your father. And that, that's how Jesus walked. Jesus, Jesus was good to all because he was God. And um, with backsliders, Jesus gave us a, a, a beautiful example in the prodigal son. Perfect example of prodigal son. And, and it's beautiful to see the heart of the father because Jesus told it. Because Jesus knew his father. And, and you, you, looked, you looked at the father he was gracious to both sons. The older one was a religious, self-righteous. 
you know, never erred. And those people tend to look down on anybody else that don't live to their standards. You know, sometimes people like that will work us. And we want to slam the door and, and, and treat them wrong. But the father was gracious to the older brother. He said, son, I know you're always with me. All that I have is yours. He, 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 he wasn't antagonistic. He, was, he, he didn't beat up his older son for his religious, self-righteous thinking. The Lord was good to self-righteous religious folks. But then the other son, the prodigal son, went to wrong living. That, that is the backslider. And you see the heart of the father, you know, the backslider came to himself. And he says, now, I'm going to go to my father. Why could he say that? Because you know his father was gracious and good. And then when the backslider was so far off coming home, what did the father do? Lock doors and make them stew. You know, you, you left me and you, you squandered, you, you lousy thing. Give three lectures and you're just going to have to prove yourself to me. A lot of parents do that. But God never does. God ran out to meet him. The backslider. Again, it's important that we renew our minds to the word of God. And so the same way that uh, we ought to be like our father, we ought to be very gracious to the backsliders. Now, we do not approve what they're doing. The father didn't approve. The older son didn't approve, but the father didn't approve. The older son used it against the younger son. The father never did that. And when we're gracious to those that are backsliders, uh, that they can come to us without reaping guilt and shame and know that's a safe place if we act like our Father. But isn't this goodness and mercy unjust? Here in Romans it says you despise this. People can despise the goodness of God. You know, Oral Roberts used to have a saying that uh, God is a good God. He would say it on his program. And a lot of preachers were mad for him, at him for saying it. They despised. How, you, you can't, people can misunderstand that. People, you know, and he got a lot of flack by saying God was a good God. And so whenever you despise the goodness and the blessing of God, that, that tells us you have a religious spirit. You, you have a wrong thing. You have older brother thinking. And so God's goodness is meant to bring people to repentance. Now, sometimes it seems like it's unfair. Well, you know, they get to go to heaven and, uh, uh, you know, here I'm serving God, you know, and so forth, that... uh, you know, what good is it to, to, to live right? I'll just do my own thing in the sin. Romans 6.1 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? You know, the grace of God is, is so amazing. Especially in the book of Romans. And the, the folks were seeing, God, you're so gracious to these people that don't, don't serve you and, and so forth. Uh, you know, and folks were saying, well, what does it matter? It does matter. And then we're going to look at the things that matter. And so there's three things that every backslider must know. So if you're watching, you're backslidden. You know, you're not in church. That's a good indicator that you are. Smile. 
or if you're here and we don't know it, there are three things you need to know. Yes, God is good. God is gracious. You know, the prodigal son, God's goodness wants to bring you to repentance. And uh, God's grace extends far to the backslider. But if backsliders don't respond to God's goodness, number one, they will not experience the fullness of the blessings they could have in this life. Backsliding does not promote blessings in your life. Number two, they will not reap the eternal rewards in the next life. They'll be robbed. They'll be robbed this life, number one. They'll be robbed in the next life. And thirdly, dis, a disobedient life has severe consequences in both realms. Severe consequences. So when, when they say, well, let's just sin, the grace may bound, we all go again. Well, feel free to sin if you want to, but it comes with a price. Severe consequences. And, uh, and it's important to present these things. As you say, once saved, always saved. You know, folks are thinking, well, I can do whatever I want and, and, and so forth. You need to know that sin comes with a price tag. So we're, we're going to look now at the judgment of backsliders. The judgment of backsliders. Again, the book of Romans is an amazing masterpiece about the grace and goodness of God towards the Jew and the Gentile. Romans 11.22 says this, Behold, therefore, after he was talking about this, about grace, the goodness of God leads to repentance, and how God was so gracious to people. It said, now behold, or look, know this, therefore the goodness of and severity of God on them that fell severity towards thee goodness if you continue goodness otherwise thou shalt be cut off you know that's in the Bible just like John 3 16 God in his goodness wants a backslider to repent a backslider is much like a carnal Christian he has a divine seed in him just like any human parent will not cut off their child. A child may cut off a parent, but a parent will not cut off his child. At least a good parent doesn't. But we must know from the Bible, if a backslider does not turn from their sinful ways, as God has been good and gracious to them, they will experience the severity of judgment. Again, the goodness God is good, your backsliding, His goodness is calling you to repentance. But if you reject that repentance, you, you beheld the goodness of the Lord, now you behold the severity or the judgment of the Lord. And now we'll begin to see a downward progression. And so, if you want to backslide, please know these things are waiting for you. Let's look at some spiritual loss. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is the law we're going to look at? The wages of sin is death. Sin has consequences. That is a law. 
whenever we sin, wages are attached. Consequences. Payment must be made. But then you say, Pastor, didn't Jesus come deliver us from the sin problem? Absolutely. When we're born again, we're delivered from the power of sin. We no longer have the sin nature. We are children of God ordained to good works. That we, we should walk in the light of the Lord. But that didn't disannul the, the, the law. The law is still valid. That the wages, it's in the New Testament, the wages of sin is death. That means whenever a person's sin, there's somehow a death, the spirit of death. Love, uh, sin and death is attached to it. And it will come knocking for payment. Now again, this is where folks err in the super grace. Well, you can just do anything you want. Well, Jesus hated the doctrine of Nicolaitans in the book of Revelation, which is that you can do anything. But we have to understand, and we're going to show it in the Word, that even though Jesus redeemed us, He redeemed us from sin, and we're no longer bound to sin, we're a master of sin. But if we continue to live in sin and wrongdoing, there are wages. The wages of sin and death. There's a payment due for sin. See, Pentecostal holiness made you afraid to sin. Because they thought you were going to hell. Well, that, that, that was in bondage. But on the other side, greasy grace. Well, oh, I can do whatever I want. Well, you need to know. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But payment will be made. And it's not a very fun one either. And so, 1 John 1.9 fits in here. See, when we're born again, we have the life and nature of God in us. We're no longer slaves to sin. We, we have the very rightness of God. But after we're born again, we can sin. Right? Now, I'm not going to have a show of hands, especially Reverend Randy here, because it'll get embarrassing. Now, I can pick on him because he's my boy. We, we, we all have. Well, what does that mean? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. See, as a Christian, when we sin, the wages of sin and death is still valid. That when sin comes, there's a payment due. But the beautiful thing about being a son of God, word of God, that when we sin, we, we confess our sins. Now, again, grace, the, the extreme grace says this is not for the church. This is for the unbeliever. No, this is written to the church. If we, John includes himself. I think John was saved. All right. If we confess our sins, notice two things that will happen when we confess it. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. And see, that's a spiritual law. When we sin, the law of sin and death is valid. Payment must be made. But redemption, when I sinned as a Christian, Father, forgive me. Number one, He forgives me. Number two, He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. He cleanses that law of sin and death that it cannot touch me. That payment is, is wiped away because of the precious blood of Jesus. 
But it doesn't mean that that, that law is not there. That's why we have to apply 1 John 1, 9. That's why when we sin, we can't just say, oh, God has already forgiven me. No, you have to confess your sin. If you don't confess your sin, your sin is not forgiven. And the law of sin and death will be knocking at you. The payment will have to be made. And the beautiful thing, not only forgiveness, but cleansing from all unrighteousness. Anything attached to that sin and death. <laughs> Cleanse. Woo! I mean, you sin, it's knocking on the door like it said of Cain, that sin was knocking at the door. You ask God to forgive me, and he can't touch me anymore. Yeah. Just like the Passover. Remember? Death came. Love, sin, and death. You put the blood, cannot touch. Blood applied, death denied. So... See, one step into sin, when you sin, aren't you glad that we talk about this? And it's called sin out there. Sin, wrongdoing. One step into sin, there's a payment law of sin and death. And one step into sin is one step, as Brother Hagin said, into Satan's territory. Even though you're redeemed and purchased blood of Christ, when you sin, you step over into that other realm. You, you, you become susceptible to love, sin, and death. And that's why we need to repent and, and ask God for forgiveness and He cleanses us from all righteousness. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Repentance is a beautiful thing. That's why we need to be quick. Quick to repent. Quick to forgive. You know, the Bible says even when you get mad, you know... No, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Why? Next verse, neither give place to the devil. Because if, if you go to bed mad, if you don't take care of that and you're mad at someone and you go to sleep, you've opened the door. You're, you're into Satan's territory, you open the door. There, there, there's a payment for that. Amen. And you have to understand that you know, folks don't, don't realize oh, you know, wrath and anger. They, well, I just, I'm just hot-headed. You know, that's sin. That's sin. Well, anyway... Get back to the pastoral admonition here. But a balance to this. Thank God for cleansing of unrighteousness. But there are some things when you sin, God forgives you. He cleanses you from love, sin, and death. There's some things you still have to make payment on. What do you mean? Let's take you take a credit card. And you sow to flesh, and all of a sudden you, you, you rack up $10,000 of credit card debt. And you realize, oh my God, I'm wrong. God, forgive me. Guess what? God forgave you. And He cleansed you from all righteousness. And, and when you're repenting, you're not going to do that anymore. So it's not going to rack up. But you're still going to have to pay that credit card. What if, what if you, you, you had a, a carnal moment and got drunk and got in the car and got a car accident? God will forgive you. God will help you. But your car's still wrecked. And if you get a DWI that's still on your record, you still have to pay a fine. Meaning, with sin there comes a payment. Even with the child of God. That's why we don't play with sin. We don't treat sin lightly. You notice I'm looking over there not to my beloved congregation. All right. Yes. And see, when a person fails to repent, payment will have to be made 
in some aspect. And, and it's not in God's It's a law. Just like gravity. What goes up goes down. The law of sin and death. And uh, when you sin and continue to sin, it opens the door to Satan and exposes you to law of sin and death. Now, the law of spirit of life, Christ Jesus has made us free from law of sin and death. But you follow the rest. It's the, those that walk spirit, not after the flesh. You walk in the flesh, you open yourself up to that. And see, we have to understand it's not God getting mad and all of a sudden bad things are going to happen to you and, and God's anger and wrath is trying to get you to turn. No, God's goodness tried to get you to turn. But you have to understand sin has repercussions. Sin has wages attached to it. Now, this, there's, there's so much to this. And again, cannot be cookie cutter. There's very often... Because of the goodness and grace of God. Aren't you glad we get to come to a church that talks about sin? There's something called the grace period. You know, you, you get a credit card. And they, they, they literally use the word grace period. Yeah, yeah. What is grace period? You charge it. And you have so much time to pay it off. Before a charge. A payment must be made for using that card. And really, they got it from the Bible, a grace period. And see, God, very often in His goodness, will, will, will keep the charges away and, and, and keep protection as long as He can out of His goodness to get you to repent. Because he, he doesn't want you to see, He doesn't want the devil to be eating your lunch. He loves you and He's trying to help you. And he'll, 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 in His goodness, will, will give you grace but if you spurn His grace, there comes a time where you, maybe God originate. Let it go. Let it go. Someone ought to have a song about that. In Revelation 2.21, Jesus said this, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Again, notice space. God's grace very often gives space. And here, this, this woman was a false prophetess, teaching wrong things, convincing God's people to sin, that grace may abound. And God, in His goodness, because who He is, gave, gave this false prophet who was corrupting the church, what did He do? He gave a grace period, a space to repent. That's how good God is. But you find out she didn't repent. She, she spurned the goodness of God. And hence, she had to meet up with the severity of God. And I don't read it for yourself. What God said. Very severe language. But again, God in His goodness was surrounded with grace and to keep things off, but if you spurn God's goodness, payment will have to be made. And see, we, we have a, a beautiful example in the Old Testament. You ever hear about Samson? 
Now, Samson's in the Old Testament, but the Bible says the things that are written in the Old Testament are written for our admonitions that we may learn from them. Samson was called, God gave him supernatural strength to be a leader and deliver Israel. And, and, and God used him mightily, but he was sleeping with Delilah, right? And for a while, why was sleeping with someone? Everything was cool. God was blessing. The, his, his, the grace was still there. Said so God in the goodness. Trying to keep the wages of sin is death away. But we read this. That after a time came that grace, that space, sin caught up with them. Judges 16.20 said, The Philistines are upon thee, Samson. Well, she said, Delilah. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before. Yeah, I, I, I was living in sin and God still blessed me and shake myself, but he did not know the Lord had departed from him. So you're seeing this, this, this extension of goodness, this grace period to a backslider. And Samson, well, God's blessing me, God's blessing me, and he didn't repent. Eventually, the payment became due. The Bible says your sin will find you out. Yeah. Now, again, in New Testament, you know, in the Old Testament, it says the Spirit of God departed from Samson. God does not depart from a Christian who fails to repent from a practice of sin. However, if they fail to judge themselves, God will have to judge them while they're still alive. And so, there's a grace. God's goodness, God's protection, if you spurn His goodness and don't repent, the payment will come due with interest. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. My time is just about done, and I'll just do the introduction pick this up next time. Again, this is in the Bible. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one through 32. Written to Christians. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. What is that, 1 John 1, 9? I've sinned. God, forgive me my sin. I'm cleansed from righteousness. I judge myself. That's wrong. I'm sorry. I, I kept God under blood. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. That's in New Testament. That was written to these Corinthians who were children of God in God's eyes, were in Christ, sanctified, prepared, being prepared blameless to the coming of the Lord, that Paul said, you're carnal. Then he warns them about their sin. You need to judge your sin. You need to judge yourself. If you do not judge yourself, that God is forced to judge you. Why is God forced to judge you? Right here, brothers and sisters, 
that we should not be condemned with the world. You know what that means? To die like a lost person. To die and go to hell once you've been saved. And again, we're going to see this is part of the grace of God. God's goodness. And we'll pick this up next time. Now that I'm dangling between death and life, heaven and hell. But it's the Bible. Now I'm talking about backsliding. I'm not talking, you're wrestling, oh God, I'm real sorry. You're, you're nowhere near this. I'm talking about someone that spurns the grace of God, that continues. And, and God's grace is so great that if you continue to spurn that, and you're not going to take care of your sin, God will judge you. I want to see what that means. And the reason why God will judge you is because He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to die and go to hell. That means you can die and go to hell once you're saved if you continue in sin and backslidden. You will die and go to hell as a backslider. But this is part of the grace of God. That before you get to that place, if you don't take care of it, God says, in my great love, I'll take care of it. I will judge you in your flesh. That way you make it to heaven. In the words of Brother Hagen, it sure do... It isn't God's best, but it sure do beat going to hell. And so my time has slipped away. Let's, let's pause it there. Then we'll pick, it, pick this up. What, what does that look like? Um, does it happen? A whole lot. Have I ever seen it happen? Oh, yes. And thank God for the grace of God. And it's better to, to suffer on the earth than in your flesh than to suffer in all eternity. Because the wages of sin is death. Again, God is gracious, leading you to repentance. You spurn and you spurn God's grace. You're going to behold the severity of God. And God, in His great love, will have to judge you if you don't judge yourself. And so, you don't, you don't want to miss it. Now, Jesus, it's all right. You come before I finish this. But the folks that don't make it, they're going to need to hear it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, were you helped? Were you blessed? And again, you, you may differ. Feel free to differ on that. But, uh, you know, I can't accept one saved, always saved. I can't not accept that you can sin, do whatever you want. It is too clear. And the verse we just read, if you don't take care of your sin, God says, I will. Okay. And again, it's part of His grace, His goodness. That way you're, you're not condemned as a lost person. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let, let's, let's uh, put our hearts towards the Lord. Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so great. You're so gracious. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. You know, I know this is Tuesday night and you're all in love with Jesus and serving God. But you've got sin in your life. I'm not going to call you up front. If you're watching and you've got sin in life, take care of it. God's been good to you. He's been gracious. And uh, part of Satan's tactics is to get you convinced that I can live any way I want and go to heaven. And you know, everything seems to be going good. And I, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm doing this, I, I, I'm doing all that. The payment will come due. And say, God and His goodness is, is, is working on you to repent and turn to Him. And God, God's plan is for you to, re, to judge yourself.
and take care of it. But if you don't, eventually he'll have to take care of it because he loves you so much. So it's better that you deal with it than he deals with it. Amen. And so right now, bow your heads, everybody, if you, you have sin in your life. Now, again, we're, we're all growing. You know, all of us could, could say, you know, I could do, be doing this better. I'm just, we know if we're backslid. We know if we turn against the Lord. We know if we're into gross sin. We can be fooling everybody, but we can't fool God. But it's important to know this. And right now, just repent before the Lord. And, 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 and He'll cleanse you. And if you're struggling in there with an addiction, and, and you ask Him to help and He'll help you. And, and the grace and anointing God can break that thing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed is the Lord. Let's go ahead and just seek the Lord for a little bit. Thank you for being so good, Father. Thank you for being so gracious. Thank you for your great love towards us. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, Baba Nandoresco, Doresco, Doresco, Tocunda, Doresu, Adore etona, Doresco, Doresco, Dorgama, Doraba, Autore, Pulaba, Dorgoma, Doresco, Baba Mada, Doresu, Dorgeba, Landola, Baba, Haha, Doresu, Sudra, Pama, Doresu, Sudra, Baba, Doresu, Yes. Drafa kunda kuna norescu na batalla ne pepeto to torescu to comando culatori. Resto norescu drafa lapando mata kunda torescu rupo napa drapa nafa drefe shoku daka drafa ni pepeto to di culatros resto norescu drafa fanando Open it up. Drefe shapaku. Drefe fapato. Drefe fapato. Nababanato. Torisku, torisku, torisku. We worship you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my master. We worship you. We praise you. Oh, master, help us to get this job done. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I thank you. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my master. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, my master.
Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. I worship you. I praise you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, I searched my heart. I didn't have anything. And uh, I find it very interesting. You pray, you prepare, you know. But uh, part of my drink, you know, there's some people will try to make things happen. I refuse to do that, you know. It's interesting, I travel, I instantly have stuff, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But, uh, hmm, what is that? Ah, yeah, what is that, Master? When I stepped over here, hmm, ah, Mm. <sighs> mm. Now I, I can miss it, but when I stepped over here, I I, I just picked up that, uh, and I, I I can point to a section, but you're, you're very concerned. Concerning the eternal fate of some loved ones. And it, it, it weighs on you. And even at times Satan torments you. But the Lord says they're in my hands. I'm working in them. You can't see what I see. And he says, you'll make them stand. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just because, you know, I want to judge my office. If that pertained to you, just raise your hand for I can see it. All right. Yeah. Yeah, more, more than one. I know I just stepped over here. I just, you know, what am I doing? The Bible says, let the prophets speak. Let another judge. Well, I don't have another one here to judge me, so I'm judging myself on that. Yeah. Yeah, I see that, Lord. I see that. I see that. You're so good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Word of God says He's able to save up to the uttermost. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I see that. Thank you. Thank you, my Master. Thank you. And with them, just say, the Lord's making them stand. The Lord will make them stand.
<sighs> my, my, my. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you for that. Let's try that again. Babalato. Hmm. That is very interesting. Now I'm going to experimenting. Up there I have nothing, but when I come closer to people. Ah. Yes. 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 Now, it's important. Now, I don't know if it applies to what we talked about before. Or it could be something totally different, but it's, it's so important not to worry. Because really, worry is a sin, and when you're worrying, it, it hinders the hand of God in your life, in, in your situations. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it, you're worrying about it. Yeah. And, and we all deal with it. There's things that are more tempting for us to worry about it but it's important that uh, we do not worry and if we catch ourselves thinking about it just you, you cast that down you, you, you cast that to the Lord and you confess what God says concerning that situation in your life yeah my 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 thank you Lord Again, the Bible says, let the prophets speak. Let another judge. I have no one to judge. So again, heads bowed, eyes closed. And again, I'm just judging my gift. About worry. And if that pertains to you, would you raise your hand? Yes. All right, yeah. All right, yeah. Again, why is God, God, God's trying to help? God's trying to help us. My, my, my. Rafa Kondoresu. And I heard my spirit as I walked past mistakes. Dwelling on the past. Wish you would have done something different. We all, we all have that. We, we all wish we, if we can go back, we would change maybe what we said, what we did. Ah. But our marching orders are forgetting those things that are behind. Reaching forward to those things that are before. And I tell you, that takes faith. It takes faith to forget. And never, ever bring up the past when it comes to, I wish I would have said this, I would have done this. 
like God, he forgets our past. He casts in the sea of forgetfulness. You by faith must do the same. Never look back, look forward. God's grace, God's goodness, God's love can take mistakes of the past and make them into a beautiful future. That's how good he is. So forget. Don't, don't, don't be tormented by the past. Don't be hounded by the past. And when Satan comes and reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, let the prophets speak. Another judge, I don't have another prophet here. You may thank your prophet, but you're not. But uh, <laughs> if that ministered to you, raise your hand. Yeah, all right, all right. And again, why am I doing I'm judging myself, you know. I, I pick it up, I see it, but you know, I just want to make sure. Oh, yes. Yes. Now, I'm going to go in another direction, and this doesn't necessarily apply to anything that I said before, but there, there's at least a couple of you that I know the Lord.